Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry to help you do church better. I'm your co-host, John Ronaldo, and I am joined here, which on my favorite days of recording podcast with Chris Wesley. Chris, dude, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I'm doing well. I'm excited because uh, when this podcast episode airs, we will be so close to my birthday month. Um, you know, I, I and it's a big birthday this year. Um, I'll become an old man like Ronaldo uh, right here and everything like that. But You're going to be 21. I- and finally, yeah, I, yeah, twenty-one. I hope I age as gracefully as as you do, John. I hope. No, I you're hope too so. kind. You're too yeah, kind. No, definitely. But but all's good in in Baltimore. Uh, yeah. How about over in Vegas? Yeah, no, things are good, right? We are in the midst. Of this this podcast is dropping one week before Election Day, uh, and we're in the midst of of all that reality. And and I have to say, it's pretty been pretty interesting to navigate the reality of politics and church today because they the closer we get to the election i feel like the closer that uh, they're kind of merging into one entity at times as we've seen by statements you know from bishops and priests and lay people on all sorts of things right this has been a really interesting time that's probably a polite way of saying it what do you think chris you know uh it is but like i also i, I want to give a lot of credit to um all the organizations out there and institutions who are promoting voting, you know, like my 10 and seven year old have noticed because I mean, we're watching sports, right. And like the other night we were watching, uh, you know, Thursday night football and on the sideline, it said to vote, you know, and even during the NBA playoffs, you saw on the back of people's jerseys vote, you know, and, and so I, I do think it, it's a great way of expressing um, our democracy. But then again, at the same time, it's also a reminder of the huge polarization that's out there. But, um, you know, John, like one um, quote that I want to share with you, and, and part of the reason why we're talking about this is not just because of the election coming up, but there's been a lot of conversation in church world, as John kind of alluded to, about like, what do we, how do we help the faithful? How do we help, you know, guide people to uh, not just vote, but um, make the best decision, make a decision in God's eyes, which again is a polarizing thought in itself. But here, here's a quote that like really stuck out to me that I heard at this conference the other day. While polarization is bad, it's the cynicism that's worse. While polarization is bad, it's the cynicism that comes with it that's worse. And that really struck me because, like, there's nothing wrong with us disagreeing on issues, right? And we see that throughout, you know, the history of the church. We um, especially, you know, like uh, one of my favorite stories is the argument over circumcision and whether, you know, people can enter into the faith by whether they have to go through minor surgery and everything like that. So we can disagree, but it's when it becomes cynical, right? It's when it becomes something deeper and, and, and darker that it becomes more dangerous. And that's what really creates these schisms. And I, I think like that's something that we want to avoid. And in this current political climate that we're in, um, we are at risk of that. And so um, we're not going to talk about who you should vote for you know, or where you should vote. Um, I'm sure if you follow John on Twitter, you're pretty clear on where he is politically. Um, I like to be a little bit more ambiguous about that um, on social media. That's no judgment towards John, just clarification on like what you're going to get from us. This is probably the most political you'll ever hear me 
um, which uh, if you want to hear me get political, it involves buying a bottle of brown liquor, um, maybe a nice cigar and uh, a good bag of chips or buffalo wings. I don't know. I know that's a weird third combination, but... <laughs> I love that. Well, I have to say, you know, it, it, it is interesting because I think we get emotional. We get tied to whatever particular issues and whatnot. And, and I have to say this year in particular, 2020, uh, because of the election, but also COVID and all sorts of things, I have probably tweeted and then deleted that tweet more this year than I ever have in my life. And, and, and that's probably something I need to work on, you know, but I think I've been fairly good about it. But the cynicism thing I think is really key because that is at the heart of, of so many issues I think that we're having today. And I can raise my hand and say the cynicism I have towards, towards church, towards political leaders, towards the political process, to all sorts of things I think is, is, is a huge issue. But, you know, and, and for me and the polarization, you know, we, we often kind of look at politics today and see this polarization, but church is, is just as polarized, right? It's like we, the more that, the more that we've entrenched ourselves in different views, the more we just go back into our corners and we don't dialogue. And I put on Twitter just this week, Asha, I said, you know, we, we don't talk with each other anymore. We talk past each other. Right. And, and that's true on social media. That's true in conversations. And like, look, you just want to see a perfect example of that. I mean, just talk about, you know, the political issues of today. Right. We're just talking past each other because, again, most people have already made up their mind around that particular thing. But I think the church, one of the challenges is, is that the church is even engaged in, in this greater trend of polarization that's happening in all sorts of places. It's not just church. It's not just politics. It's happening all over the place. And it's, by the way, it's worldwide, right? Pay attention to what's happening internationally in different countries across the world. You're seeing the same thing, right? So we're in this society. My question is, is that we get back to a place where we can stop talking to each other and start talking to each other again, even if we're on different spectrums of, of whatever particular issue. Uh, and, and Chris, you, you've just been engaged in a, uh, a conference or a workshop on this particular topic. And so I'd be really interested to kind of hear a little bit more about what this conference has been about and what are some of the, the practices or the behaviors that they've been telling ministry leaders to think about in terms of how we engage in this polarized world that we're in. Yeah, so the, the conference that uh, John's referring to is called the uh, Youth Ministry Exchange. It's something that's being put on by um, Think Orange and Download Youth Ministry, Youth Specialties, uh, et cetera. Um, you know, it's their um, virtual version of what had been the National uh, Youth Ministry Conference that they hold annually. And, um, and it, what had surprised me going into it is how many of the breakouts and, and main sessions are addressing this political um uh, climate that we're in, and actually, uh, especially in the youth ministry context. But but then again, you know, uh, honestly, John, uh, if I think about a lot of the conversations I've overheard my teens having, uh, teens who don't or can't vote yet, um, they're talking about it, and it's shaping the way that they're thinking. And you know, even um, you know, recently, uh, I was talking to a, a, a volunteer who was sharing me that his daughter. Um, like uh, totally uh, out, uh, lashed out at him for his political views, and 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 so um, he his wife like witnessed this and, and talked to her and was like, why why do you like why did you do that to dad? 
and and she expressed her views and everything and she's like well what are you getting your sources from and she said uh well from social media you know and it remi reminds me and i know this is a little side tangent but it's important a, a documentary i highly recommend people watch is the social dilemma on netflix um uh and uh it's all about how um social media can have this influence in the way that we're thinking and processing and this is a part of it as well right like where you're getting your truth and we'll, we'll jump into that in a second but like um this is an issue that not only impacts us as adults but also our, our younger generations i don't know about your kids john but my sons are asking like hey why are people saying this about trump or biden or you know um you know democrats or republicans and and uh and i just respond be quiet and eat your dinner you know but uh <laughs> you know, but, but i mean in all seriousness it's like yes it's, it's something that we have to talk about because younger generations are watching us and they're viewing us and i think we have to be careful so two thoughts so my nine-year-old my daughter we have been having a lot of conversations they are so attuned to what's happening and my my daughter does not have a smartphone she does not have social media she doesn't have any of that stuff but she picks up on conversations, right? And she's having these conversations at school with her friends. Just the other day, I was talking with, you know, her, uh, her and like, you know, they were talking about Biden, Trump and all that stuff. And, and they're like, I'm like, Sienna, who are you talking, you know, to about that? And she named some of the, some of the other girls that she hangs out with that we know. And, and just because we were curious, but they're all very aware. And they're, they're even pre cell phone, social media folks. So, you know, well, I've had a lot of conversations about this election cycle with, uh, with my daughter. Now, it, it, I've also, I'm one of those dads who, when I go vote, if I can, I bring my kids with me, right? And so my nine-year-old has been to numerous election booths with me, you know, to, to go vote so that she can see it in action. So, so they're very aware. And I don't think that means we can't ignore this topic, right? You know, so, but we got to find a way to have these good conversations in a way that doesn't tear people apart. And two, I'll echo the social dilemma uh, movie. It's incredible. It actually prompted me to write my representatives in the Senate and the House of Representatives. That's how much that movie moved me that we need to do something about it. So I actually wrote them in to their credit. All three of them wrote back to me. So now it's probably a staffer, but you know, <laughs> that's how it works. So, uh, you know, but, but it is, and, and, and here we are in the midst of this crazy year and yes, there's still youth ministry and there's still religious ed going on. So what types of conversations are we having? Can we have in church? We can't ignore it, but we also you got to be careful about how we have that conversation, right? There's, there's a fine balance as we've seen on social media, right? We've seen people take all sorts of stances as official leaders in the church, you know, around different things and, and how that's kind of created more tension quite honestly, and actually not helped. And so I, I think a lot of us from, from bishops down, myself included, are trying to figure out how do we have these, good quality conversations where where we're actually getting somebody and not just yelling at each other <laughs> well well you know and, and I, i've been thinking about it a lot and the one thing that constantly comes to mind is the question of what is truth right like we have to think about not only think about where we're getting our truth from but that's something we have to be asking one another is like what's your source what's your your truth like are you getting it from social media are you getting it from your neighbors and friends and even not just your information about politics, but just 
uh, truths about life, right? And, and I think that's that's one of our most important roles as 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 catechists, as leaders in the church, is not necessarily to lay out all the specific truths and laws, but to help people like recognize that their source that they might get get things from might not be reliable, right? Um, you know, I was reading. Uh, um, St. Catherine of Siena's treaty on prayer the other day. And uh, one of the things she talks about, and I'm totally paraphrasing, is how the devil uh, wants to, uh, you know, tie up our tongue so that we uh, spit out words of nonsense, right? Nonsensical language out there. And I was just like, man, you know, like the devil is in the details in some of those things. And, and that's why, again, we have to really be, um, we really have to think about like, and, and encourage people to seek out real truth and and it goes beyond john I, I i'm not sure if you remember but you know of course when i was in college and high school and it was all about finding out a source we had to find three three sources to uh like back up that claim right now it's it's kind of like you have to find three sources to back up that one of those three sources to back up that claim you know and it's not just looking up snopes or wikipedia or things like that like we really have to see okay what's the genesis what's the thinking behind that and i think if um whether you're a youth minister, DRE, pastor, like some kind of leader in the church, I think it's important for us, you know, before we share our opinion uh, or tell people how they should vote or like where they should vote or whether that's even an issue, we should say like, hey, when as you're making your decision to vote, like think about, again, what's the source of your truth? Yeah, that's something that I think we we have lost control over in our society in terms of understanding. Uh, we hear the term fake news, fake news all over the place. And and to be clear, I've gotten very annoyed at at uh, news outlets on that would be on both sides, right? You know, of how they've headlined things. I'm like, I've looked at, at Fox News. I'm like, that's not right. And I've looked at CNN. I'm like, that's not right. I'm like, what the heck is going on here, right? You know, uh, now part of it is sensationalizing, right? And getting clicks and stuff like that, right? But but even like, even my nine-year-old is now on social media having conversations a little bit about saying, you know, what you see on social media you you've you've got to actually click on the article and read it not just read the headline and just share it right that's what a lot of people do on social media for instance that no i like the headline i'm just going to retweet it without really reading the story or understanding the story but that's what good journalism does right good journalism is about you know looking making sure you have multiple sources that are verifying a fact that's not just one source is saying right it's the whole idea is like you hear something once you dismiss it you hear something twice, you go, oh, okay. If you hear something three times, you're like, okay, maybe there's some truth to that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we do that? And how do we help our, our folks, uh, our young people, especially around church teaching, and quite honestly, adults as well, uh, around church teaching, how do we help them verify what the church actually believes around a specific thing, right? Because you can have, say, a bishop say something, right, or a priest say something, right, that may or may not be contrary to what the church actually teaches on that. Uh, and, and that's where social media becomes a, a huge debacle for us. It's like, it's just not helpful. Quite honestly, I've said this before, Chris, you know, my hate, hate relationship with social media. Like, I, you know, I'm still on Twitter, barely I'm hanging on by a thread. Right. You know, but I'm like, I, there's a part of me that still thinks the world would be better without social media. Yeah, yeah, and, and that that's a conversation for another time. Maybe yeah. we'll have to have John's relationship with social media part two. Um, we do have a previous episode on that, which I think is worth listening to. But you know, I, I think again, it's uh, it's not just um, it's not just be wary of social media, but also um, be wary of what you're hearing 
in the schoolyard or, you know, the soccer fields or any other social circle circles you're a part of, right? It's not just um, what we're seeing online, but even in those social circles. And that brings me to like, I think the second thing that we can do as a church, right? So first thing is addressing the topic of truth. Where's your truth? Where you're finding your truth and how we believe as Catholics, right? Truth is found in God, right? It's found in, in church tradition, teaching, you know, everything that, that comes along there, right? And the second part is, are we listening? You know, are you listening to what is going on in your neighbor's life? Are you listening to what's going on in your parish's life? You know, because like, there, it's it, it's very easy to think, okay, I need to communicate this, make sure that, you know, my parishioners vote pro-life or my parishioners vote, you know, pro um, this or anti that or, you know, whatever in that. But before you can even advise them, or give them direction on how they should vote or what it means to vote in those certain areas, you need to know what's going on in their lives because they will reject that. Um, they will reject church teaching and truth if they don't think that you care about what's going on in their lives. And, you know, this was mentioned in the conference and, and I've, I've witnessed this before, right? Where, um, John, I don't know if you've ever gone through a tough time before. And as you're going through that tough time and you're sitting with a friend and they say, hey, just remember God is good. And I'm like, yes, I know that's a truth, but that pisses me off right now, right? Or that that's upsets not me. helpful. <laughs> right. That's not helpful at all. So, like, you know, um, so before we give truth out to or instruction or guidance out to our parishioners, we need to make sure that we've done a great job listening to what is going on in their lives. Well, that goes back to what Pope Francis has been saying around the, the synodality of, of who we are as church, right? It is about listening, right? And, and can I sit and listen attentively to somebody who clearly has a different view about a particular issue than me? And am I able to sit and listen and relate to that individual and understand how they came to that, right? And that really goes back to Sherry Waddell, Forming Intentional Disciples, when she talks about how do we form intentional disciples? Well, the first step is building trust. It's the relationship building. And the second phase, what she calls is curiosity, where we let people ask questions, but we don't always give them answers right away, right? We, we have to listen and really get to the root of what it is that they're actually asking and what it is that they're actually saying, right? Because I have been in conversations where I sat and listened, where they started at one point and, and I'm thinking, okay, it's going to go there. And then as they've talked, they kind of move themselves to a whole other point. I'm like, as I listen to this, I'm like, you just argued for both sides of that issue, which is where most of us are at, right? We're kind of in the, in the middle trying to figure all that out, you know, but if we immediately jump on that first point that they put on, well, then there's no trust building, there's no relationship, and there's certainly no listening. And, and it, I think we actually have to train people more today than we ever had before to listen, right? Give me a youth ministry, give me a children's ministry, give me a Bible study, give me an adult faith formation, RCIA session on listening, you know, because I remember when I did the Christian Leadership Institute, which was a week-long leadership retreat for, for, for high school students, we had a whole three-hour session on listening skills. Three hours on listening. Like, you know, three hours on listening. 
we need to spend three hours on listening. And, and even then it wasn't enough, but teaching them the skills of what listening looks like. That, that's an important piece, right? And, and Pope Francis has been reiterating that over and over and over again. We cannot speak truth to one, to an audience of people who aren't ready to hear it, but two, that we don't have a relationship with, right? And that's where listening comes in, into play. Dale Carnegie, you know, who wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People said this, is like, you can make 10 times as many friends by listening than you can by just talking. And yeah. that's from like, what, the 1920s? That's still true today, 100 years later. Still true today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and um, even um, the uh, Momentum event that um, Rich uh, Kern, who joined us last episode, uh, was a part of with me, like one of the things he talks about is get to know your audience, right? Um, we talked about that in the Momentum event. That's something we talk about at Marathon Youth Ministry all the time is before you can create any kind of strategy or plan for your ministry, you need to know your mission field, you need to know who you're reaching. And that only comes with listening. And so if we are going to help bring people together um, and, and address this season of polarization that we're going through, then we need to make sure that we're listening to what's actually going on in people's lives. So, so we got truth, you know, again, understanding the source of that truth. Um, we've got listening. And then, and then the next thing is we, we, we've got to really focus on, on loving our neighbors, right? Remembering those great, the, the great commandments, love your God with all your heart, mind, soul, love your neighbor as yourself, right? And so, John, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or a Libertarian or Independent or whatever, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you. You know, um, I think uh, I think there's little that we disagree on. So you're an easy person to love, you know, in, in this regards. But like, um, you know, we have to learn to love people differently as the church. We have to learn to love people, even if they don't align with us politically, um, because that's at the end of the day another major thing actually it's the greatest commandment right and all laws flow from it that we love our neighbor that we love god that we love our neighbor and we love ourselves and that has gotten harder today than it's ever been before right because you support this candidate i there's no way i can have a relationship with you and like you like we make that judgment right mm -hmm. uh immediately oh you believe this about you know uh the church teaching like i i, I can't like we've already, we, it's judgment, right? That's what it is. It's all judgment. We shut people off before we even get to know them. Uh, and, and that I think is, is problematic. And, and this is, this is my challenge with church. The church is supposed to help people discover truth, but also shares truth, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. the both end, right? But the, the church sometimes so focuses on cramming down truth, down people's throats, Right which is part of its mission. It needs to do that. But the way that it's perceived, it's like you're, you were cramming down the truth and then we stop, we stop listening. Right. And so I go back to, and I look at all these comments that are being made and, you know, and how churches are reacting to different things. And, and I sit there and go, I've said this, I, I've said it a hundred times. It's like, and people wonder why people are leaving the church. I don't wonder why people are leaving the church because I look at some of the silliness that's happening and I'm a part of this silliness as well. So I'm taking ownership. I'm not, I'm not at all saying this is somebody else because I have absolutely been a part of this as well. I look at the silliness that's happening at church and that's been even more manifested today in this year because of just crazy 2020. Heck, there are times I'm like, I don't know if I want to belong to the church. Now that sounds so sacrilegious to say it, but I'm sitting there going, that's, 
we we say things that yes we should speak truth but we got to speak it lovingly that's what i think the piece that we forget you know and we we i don't know if we know how to do that anymore i think we've lost that there's no empathy there's no compassion anymore it's like you got to believe what i believe or you're out like why would i want to be part of a church that that acts like that right um, and again, it's a fine balance, you know, I'm not saying that we need to hide the truth, you know, what the church teaches, I'm not saying that at all, but we got to find a way to communicate these things in a way that's, that's palatable to folks, you know, that, that people we're in a relationship with, because we can't share that until they're, they're in relationship with us. Definitely, definitely. You know, I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this, um, um, and how this is not unique to 2020 as unique as 2020 is it's not unique because you look through the history of the church with the reformation the great schisms the um the separation of the eastern and western you know church and everything like that and um it it, it came down to the, these arguments over theology over truth over what's right what's wrong and you know and and we're we're paying for that today you know and there's a, a need for reform and for healing and repentance and, and everything like that and and, and so um so what my call is to our, our listeners and, and to other people, and even to myself, like, like you, John, I've been a part of the silliness as well, is that we really need to slow things down and, and revisit exactly what God is calling us to do and, and, and how God is calling us to be there for our neighbor. Because, you know, using 2020 as a template with all the right racial unrest that's going on, with all the, the um, sickness going on, with the pandemic and everything like that, our neighbors um, are in need of, of the love of God. They're in need of us being there with them, loving them, walking with them and bringing that healing. And if anything, as polarizing as this election is, or the political climate just in general is, that should be a reminder. That should be the red flag reminding us that we need to do that even more. And so uh, the challenge that I'm gonna throw out to our listeners, is, especially if you're a pastor or a pastoral leader, is to have these conversations with your staff, um, not not like where they side on politi uh, politics, but like the, the three topics that we talked about, right? Like where are they getting their truth? How are we listening to one another as well as our you know parishioners and uh, and our community? And how are we loving others? How how are we going to respond with love no matter what happens, you know, um, uh, on election day? Um, and I think if you as a church can show unification even though you might have political um, um, differences, that's going to be a beacon to your community, to your parishioners. And they're gonna see the church as a leadership on how to heal the polarization that's that's occurring. Yeah, and I think, I, I agree 100%. And I think my final thought on this really is like, we, we tend to do one of two things. We either ignore it and don't talk about it at all, or we go to an extreme and talk about too much to the point that, you know, we, we enrage people. Where's that middle ground, right? And so part of that staff meeting and those conversations is even beyond the election day, right? Because this is not just about politics. This is about church teaching, it's about all sorts of things, right? Even beyond this, how do we strategize within our ministry to, to have these conversations in children's ministry, in youth ministry, in, in adult ministry, and what that looks like. I think that is part of our responsibility. Um, how do we help people actually listen to each other, not just talk past each other? That That's the ultimate challenge for us. 
Definitely, definitely. So I'm sure there's a lot that we can talk about. I'm sure people are ready to email John and say, how dare he, you know, but uh, be involved with all that silliness. With me, they're a little bit more forgiving, but no, I'm just kidding. But uh, if, John, if people do want to get in touch with you uh, just for more of your insight, wisdom, or uh, ministry guidance, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah, visit us at parasuccessgroup.com. Uh, definitely find all my information there or join the conversation on Twitter. And, and as much as Chris says, you know, I, my views are, are very clear on, on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty good about playing a moderate role and, and trying to encourage dialogue and conversation, you know, on Twitter around these particular issues. I definitely stand up for, for thoughts, but usually it's around Catholic social teaching issues, you know, uh, which is very Catholic of me to do that, you know, so uh, when I do that, it's usually around those type particular issues. Awesome. Awesome. And if you want to get in touch with me and want to find out my political views, um, just pick up that bottle of brown liquor, that cigar and that bag of chips and reach out to me at <laughs> marathonyouthministry.com or on social media, all things at Marathon Youth Ministry. Of course, you can get in touch with both of us at questions at the church podcast.org or of course, um, find all of our past episodes on the church podcast.org. And if you like this episode or previous episodes, please share them with your friends, family, neighbors, pets, you know, whoever you think would benefit or be blessed by this podcast. Um, again, uh, John, great conversation. Uh, always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for um, bringing us together um, to talk about this uh, polarizing issue, Lord. And um, there's so many ways that we can be separated. There's so many ways that we can be attacked. And uh, and God, I, I, I pray that uh, you send your spirit to bring us together, to unify us, to remind us of truth, to remind us to listen, to remind us to love you, to love others, and to love ourselves. And Lord, it's through that love, um, I pray that we find healing and that we find hope. Thank you so much for everything that you've given us and shown us. We love you in your name and prayer. Amen.